What up? How you doing today? I'm Al Deschino, known online as Christian Ninja. I'm a full-time variety Twitch streamer and online missionary using everything from silly pictures to Bible studies to video games and everything else I can think of to connect with, mentor, love, and serve the online gaming and streaming community, especially the lost, lonely, and disenfranchised who are online every day looking for a positive, open, encouraging, and meaningful online connection. Welcome to XN Shadowed, an audio version of some of the best parts of my weekly streams and YouTube videos. I hope you find this helpful and interesting, and I hope even more that it inspires you to join the discussion sometime during one of my live streams. I hope you have a great day, and here's today's clip. We're going to go through this, this prayer. Now, what, what it is is a um, paradoxes. It's called paradoxes. Okay. The prayer itself is called paradoxes. And it's an interesting little take on, on stuff that goes on in the heart. One thing that, that I think that these things do, they allow you to see a portion of yourself. If you don't know what I'm doing, the Valley of Vision is a collection of Puritan prayers that were taken from a bunch of other books and other, other writings and assembled together. And they are, they're, they're deeper prayers. They're, more substantial in their language and more substantial in their topics than we're usually used to. If you're like me or if you're if you're like most Christians, you you pray and you tend to use, you know, like colloquial language or like common language or you, you know, you use <laughs> some people use like King James language because they think that that's how God hears them best, but they don't really even know what they're saying. And so this here is is not about the language, it's about the the topics, what it's covering and the way it's describing what's going on in the heart are just big thoughts. Starts, oh, changeless God. Under Okay, this is that's an interesting thing, especially because paradoxes, right? We're going to be talking about how our heart is pulling both ways, that we're double-minded, that, that there are things inside of us that we are one thing, but we're also another thing. And to start the prayer with, oh, changeless God, is to say, God is not that. Okay, so we'll, we'll look at it together, and maybe I should read the whole thing, and then we'll, we'll get into, uh, we'll take it apart. So it says, oh, changeless God, under the conviction of thy spirit, I learned that the more I do the worse I am. That is the right one? Yep. The more I do, the worse I am. The more I know, the less I know. The more holiness I have, the more sinful I am. The more I love, the more there is to love. O wretched man that I am. O Lord, I have a wild heart and cannot stand before thee. I am like a bird before a man. How little I love thy truth and ways. I neglect prayer by thinking I have prayed enough and earnestly by knowing that Thou hast saved my soul. Of all hypocrites, grant that I may not be an evangelical hypocrite, who sins more safely because grace abounds, who tells his lusts that Christ's blood cleanses them, who reasons that God cannot cast him into hell, for he is saved, who loves evangelical preaching, churches, Christians, but lives unholily. My mind is a bucket without a bottom, no spiritual understanding, no desire for the Lord's day, ever learning, but never reaching the truth, always at the gospel well, but never holding water. My conscience is without conviction or contrition, with nothing to repent of. My will is without power of decision or resolution. My heart is without affection and full of leaks. My memory has no retention, so I forget easily the lessons learned, and thy truth seeps away. Give me a broken heart that carries home the water of grace. You can see throughout this prayer that there's a real, uh, a sense of, of the person looking inward and recognizing how far they are 
from from what they want to be or how far they are from from living as the Christian that they they want to be. This is one of the things that happens to to believers as they mature. You think that what would happen is that as you become a Christian and and the more you grow that the more you feel like you're you're doing well. Like you feel like you're growing in faith and you're growing in love and you're growing in obedience and you're growing in 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 hope and that it's just like by the time you've been around Jesus for 40 50 years you're like, "Yeah, I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sinning isn't a problem and, and, you know, hope isn't a problem and worry isn't a problem and, and, and obedience isn't a problem, but that's not how it works. What happens is as you grow, as God opens up sort of the doors of your heart and starts kicking in walls and, and opening places that, that you didn't even know were there, what you learn is how deep your sin goes, how deep your disobedience goes and how big God's grace really is. When you first become a Christian, like yeah, I'm a you know I'm a I'm a liar I'm a cheat I'm a you know I've stolen stuff I, I I've done horrible things I've wrecked my body I've I've hurt people, and and God forgive me and then as you mature it becomes more along the lines of, and now I realize that you know there were appetites within me that caused me to want to do those things that my motives when I was doing good things were completely off, and then you keep going you're like and those appetites continue to be there, even though I've learned how to be obedient and I put walls up, somehow the the deplorable nature inside of me seems to want to continue to be there. And now I become more of a hypocrite because I know better and now I still go do the bad thing. And so you kind of see that on the way through here. This is not a, a prayer of hopelessness where the person's like, I suck and I'm unsavable and I'm the worst and whatnot. It's someone who who says, thank you, God, for being unchangeable. Thank you for saving me and help me to see and walk more consistently. Um, it's like climbing a mountain. You look down the moment you see how far you've come. Then you look up and realize how you're nowhere near the top. Yeah, it's very true. So let's, let, let's kind of work through it together. It says, under the conviction of thy spirit... I learned that the more I do, the worse I am. So that basically means under the conviction, or in other words, the, the Spirit of God. If you're a Christian, then the way it works is that you, when you believe in Jesus, and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again to conquer death, proving that he is the Lord and Savior and you are his, you believe that he is the one who died for you, you're a Christian, one of the things that happens is that the Holy Spirit, which is the third member of the Trinity, I know this is very complicated, but basically what it means is that you have a connection to God on a spiritual level, that the Spirit of God and your spirit are now united in a special way, that you're, you are heart, you are soul, you are mind, you are strength. You have a body, you have a emotions, you have mind, but you also have a soul, which is a distinct part of you. Just like, just like your intellect and your body are two parts of you, but they're different, right? And so what ends up happening is uh, your spirit and the spirit of God are, are now able to communicate. He, he speaks to you in a special way. He gifts you in a special way. And so as this person's praying, as you're praying, as you're thinking, the conviction, which is basically saying the Holy Spirit showing you some truth about you that is it's off. You feel, you feel convicted, you're guilty, shameful, uh, cause the spirit's working on something, right? So like, it's like you were to invite someone into your house and you've cleaned your house. You think your house is clean. And so, and, uh, someone who's an expert comes in and they, you know, they lift up a wall and they're like, actually, you know, and, and there's like black mold all up that wall. Like the expert comes in and goes, you know what, actually you're, you're poisoning yourself. Anybody who comes into this room is getting sick 
because of the black mold in the wall that you didn't know about. Let's deal with that black mold. Let's get rid of that. Let's figure out how to clean it up, wipe it out so that you're not sick and the people around you aren't getting sick. Right. And so you go, okay, so that's conviction. It's not that he comes in and he's like, your house sucks and I hate you. You know, it's no, it's uh thank you. You know, he, you invite him in, he comes in and he starts pointing out the things that are poisoning you, hurting you, hurting your relationship with God, hurting your relationship with others. And it becomes, yeah, thank you for showing me that I didn't realize that was harming me. So under the conviction of the spirit, I learned that the more I do, the worse I am. What does that mean? It means that the, this person is recognizing that no matter how hard they try, no matter how much, how much activity they create in their life, it doesn't do anything to fight against the sinful nature that is inside of them, right? Their acts of religion, their acts of good deeds, their, the, the, the busyness that they have in life, the money that they make or the, the things that they do doesn't actually change, you know, it doesn't change them in a spiritual way. They learn that the, no matter how much they try, no matter how much they push, no matter how much they give, they're like, man, I, I'm, I'm not giving enough and I'm not doing enough. I'm, I'm, and there is stuff inside of me that I, I, I'm just choosing not to do. The more I know, the less I know. The more I understand God, the more I realize how little I know about God. The more I understand the world, the more I know that I don't understand the world. The more I learn about politics, the less I know about politics. The more I learn about history, the less I understand about history, right? Hey, Pops, good to see you. Thank you so much. Appreciate, I appreciate that comment. Right, the idea as as the spirit's working in my heart, I'm realizing that this the arrogance that used to be. You know, I know stuff. I'm so smart. I'm you know, I know more than others. It's that you know what? The more I know, the more I realize I don't know. That's where what wisdom is is recognizing that understanding the full nature and full scope of almost anything is impossible. The more holiness I have, the more sinful I am. Right. So that's the idea is the more I put up walls in my life and this, it's not a, a matter of defeat. He's not, he's not simply saying that, that, you know, it's impossible to live a good life. What he's saying is no matter how much, how many walls I put up, how many rules I put up, how many, how many things I ask forgiveness for, how many, you know, ways I try to keep myself pure. It almost feels like it's an endless, endless list, right? But like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do this bad thing. And like your heart gets pulled towards this other bad thing. And then you're like, okay, I'm not gonna do this bad thing. And then you realize you've been doing this other thing that you didn't even notice for the longest time, right? Example, um, you know, you're like, okay, I'm gonna stop you know, lusting, I'm going to turn off the internet, no more porn, or I'm going to stop spending. I'm going to, you know, get rid of my credit cards. We're going to save money. And you're like, oh, that's good. And then you realize that there's actually greed in your heart. Like you, you, you are afraid to lose what you have. You're, you're paranoid about your security. And so you find that as you stopped spending or as you stopped, you know, uh, entertaining yourself with stuff that is breaking your soul, you, you realize that you're trying to, pull things inward and you're not being generous anymore and you're not being, you know, kind to people anymore. You're, you're harboring all this bitterness inside and like, Oh, whoa, there's a lot going on in there. So you push away the bitterness and you, and you say, okay, I'm going to choose to live generously. And you, you realize that inside of you, there's a, an anger that you even had to do that. Now you're angry with God that he would 
be withholding things. You're angry with people who don't, you know, who take your generosity, but they're not doing it with doing with it what you want them to do. You're angry that, you know, like the, the, the internet or the mall or the whatever is full of all this stuff that's driving you insane. And so you're mad at everybody all the time because it's all their fault. And you go, Whoa, something wrong in there. It's probably not the whole world's fault. Maybe there's something inside me. It's just the more holiness you seek, the more you recognize how deep the problem goes, right? I appreciate that. Thank you. It's the realization, like rating your knowledge on a scale of one to 10, you give yourself a 10 and you realize you're not as great as you thought. So you give yourself an eight and it changes to seven. Kind of, kind of. Yeah. But that's, and again, this is all personal, right? This isn't, I'm more holy than that person, or I know more than that person, or I do more than that person. This is all within your own heart and your own mind. This is the person in prayer, conviction of the spirit. Cause you can say, I know more than this person. Cause you know, you, sometimes you do, or I do more than this other person. Cause sometimes you do, or I, my life is cleaner than this other person because I, they have such obvious sins and I don't, but then you recognize in your own heart, actually, you know, I could be doing more and I don't, you know, I, the, I don't actually know as much as I'd like to believe I know. My de- my sin goes really deep. And the last one, the more I love, the more there is to love, right? That idea of, of no matter how much I give of myself, no matter how much I, I think I love people, there are, I always come across people that I, that are harder to love, right? So you, you, as a Christian or whatever, like you learn to love your family, even if they've got issues, you learn to to love your church, even though they've got issues. And you learn to love your, your pastor, even though he's got issues. And then you're like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then all of a sudden you've got enemies, people that hate your guts. And like, I learned to love my enemies, even though they, they make my life miserable. And then you got hypocrites. So I'm learned to love hypocrites, even though everybody hates hypocrites. And you learn, and then there's, you know, people that are, are liars, abusers, you know, murderers, people that are doing horrible, how to love, how to love them. And how do I process my love for, for Jesus and God's love for them along with their sin. And then you look at, you know, the world and there's, there are people that are actively working against the faith, actively harming and destroying and hurting Christians, martyring, slaughtering them in the streets for, and you know, how do I love that? I don't have enough love inside of me to love as many people as need love. And I have too much sin inside of me preventing me from love them like I should, right? The more I love, the more there is to love. Oh, wretched man that I am, right? <laughs> it's just, I can see I'm, I'm not, I'm not enough. Oh Lord, I have a wild heart and cannot stand before thee. I'm like a bird before a man. What does that mean? It, th- when I look at that, I see this, I see Someone who is a bird, like like the idea, like you walk up and there's a bird before you and what does the bird do? You know, it's kind of skits around them, takes off. The closer you get to the bird, the further it wants, faster it wants to fly away. I think what he's saying here is I have the type of heart that, um, it seems that whenever you get close to me, whenever I feel like God is closing in, whenever his presence is, is overwhelming me, whenever the spirit is coming, I have, my instinct isn't to come towards you. It's to run away. It's, you know, you show me this sin in my life. You show me this thing you want me to do. You show me this person I'm supposed to forgive. You show me this, this, you know, whatever, this thing I'm supposed to give away because, you know, someone needs it. And my instinct isn't, thank you. That's a great idea. It's to run away. 
it's to take off, right? <laughs> it's hard. I mean, nobody, nobody likes hypocrites. You're not supposed to like hypocrites, right? The, you, you should hate hypocrisy. What do you do with it though? How do you love those people? Right? So how do you, this person's looking at himself and going, I recognize that I am the, my instinct isn't to press into God. It's, it takes the act of will just to stand before this, the, the God who is trying to show me love. Um, I want to be like the little bird that hopped into the guy with the water bottle and begged. Yeah, that, that's it. We, that's what we think we, what we are, right? We think we're the one who's coming to God and going, hey, can I give me this thing and give me water and give me food and do all these things for me. But then God goes, actually, I have this issue with you that you have something in your heart that's poisoning you and the little bird in you goes, and then you want to take off. How little I love thy truth and ways. That doesn't mean as a Christian, it doesn't mean that you don't love his truth. You don't love his ways. What it means is I don't love it enough, right? This, you got to keep in mind that in a Puritan prayer like this, one of the things that they grasped more than anybody is how deep the separation is between us and God, between Christ and myself. That it's not, you know, I'm not doing God a favor by being a Christian. I, um, you know, coming to church and, and being part of that isn't God, go, you know, I'm not there because God needs me. It's, they go, I need God so desperately. I'm so unlike Christ. My sin is so deep. My problem is so hard that the that even when I do think I love, even when I do think I know the truth, even though I do want to follow Him, there's so much going on inside of me that I that pulls away. It's hard, and that's not a bad thought. What it should do is humble you, and it should make you thankful, thankful for salvation. Go, despite how how messed up I am. God still loves me. Despite how messed up I am, he still saved me. Even though I was his enemy, he made me his friend. Even though I was a slave to sin, he bought me with the blood of his son so that I could be his child. It's it's mind-blowing. This should lead you to worship, right? Hi, Archie Bible Nerd. I neglect prayer. Ironically, we're reading a prayer, right? Ephesians 2.10. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, Ephesians 2 is all about the grace of God to sinners uh, who do not deserve it. That's exactly what Ephesians 2 is all about. Yep, you're absolutely right. Uh, I neglect prayer. Ironically, we're in the middle of a prayer, and he's saying how much he neglects prayer. But it's interesting what he says. I neglect prayer by thinking I've prayed enough and earnestly, right? Have you ever done that? You've been like, okay, that's good. I, I did my devos. I did my prayer. I did my whatever. I'm off to go do the day. I don't need to talk to God anymore. I don't need to listen to God anymore. I don't need to anything. I'm just moving on with my day. And like you live as an atheist for the next like eight hours. The, God doesn't even cross your mind. Right? And then you come home and you're like, oh, it's grace. Okay, I better think about God some more. You know, we think that we've prayed enough. That's that's the issue. You know, we think that we've prayed enough and earnestly but we're actually most of the time neglecting prayer. I always think of Brother Lawrence. I don't know if you ever heard of uh, the book. Um, uh, what's the book? Practicing the Presence of God. Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, which is really an interview with Brother Lawrence, who was a monk who lived 
I don't know, call it hundred years ago or so, more than that. And he he was a he lived in a monastery and he wanted to, you know, his job was to think about God as much as he possibly could. And the whole thing is an interview, you know, and he's like, I don't even get I don't even do it half the time. I've been a monk for 40 years. I've lived exclusively with the practice of trying to think about Jesus at all times, no matter what I'm doing. And maybe, maybe I can do it less than half the time half the day. Like it's hard. That's what we're talking about here. Uh I neglect prayer by knowing you have saved my soul. That's so interesting. We, what this means is that, and I know I'm guilty of this, is to say, I don't have to pray today, right? I don't have to pray today because I'm a Christian. I'm saved even if I don't pray. I'm saved if I don't read the Bible. I'm saved if I don't do anything good. I'm saved if I don't go to church or I'm saved if I don't do anything holy, God's going to take care of me. So my my decision to not talk to God, my decision to not connect to him is based on the fact that he saved me. I think, okay, well, since I'm a Christian, I don't have to talk to him anymore. Done and dusted, I'm fine. It's such an irony. And I think it's so, it should be so convicting to us to look at that and kind of go, yeah, I, I, I don't pray because I'm so saved. Isn't, that's ironic, right? That That's a convicting thought. Of all hypocrites, grant that A may not be an evangelical hypocrite, right? A, a gospel hypocrite, one who is supposed to be speaking the gospel, one who understands the good news, one who is meant to be out sharing. May I not be the kind of hypocrite that is people see the hypocrisy, even though I'm a Christian, they see the hypocrisy, the, the dual mindedness, that paradox. I hope they don't see the paradox in me. And he gives a few examples, right? Who sins more safely because grace abounds. That's Romans, what was it? Romans 5, 14? I don't remember. Somewhere in Romans, there's a, you know, it talks about how if you, you know, so what then? If if grace is so big, if you've been so saved, then does that mean we should sin all the more? Because if you sin lots, you'll get more grace. You'll show how wonderful God's salvation is by sinning more. They used to think that, that, you know, like the more you could sin and the more you could, could destroy your life and the more horrible you were, the more amazing God's grace is. And you're really showing his grace by sinning more. It's bonkers, but true in the same way that we look at you know, really amazing testimonies of people that just went absolutely bananas in their life. And then they become a Christian where somehow we're like, yeah, that's such a better testimony because apparently they got more grace because they sinned more. And we think because I've got grace, I can sin more. Who tells his lusts that Christ's blood cleanseth them? Who tells his lusts, who speaks to his appetites, you know, the, I can overeat I can look at porn. I can be angry and scream at people. I can have this passion out of control. And I'll say, it's okay for me to yell at that person, to lust over that person, to, to eat myself sick, to, to play until I'm, you know, I can't see straight, to entertain myself into oblivion. Who tells my lusts that I can do it because Jesus is going to save me. Right? We feel the conviction of the Spirit go, you know what? You should stop that. It's bad for you. Don't worry, God. Jesus died for this sin, so I'm going to keep sinning. Who reasons that God cannot cast him into hell for he is saved, right? Which is true. 
right? If, you, if you're a Christian, you're not saved by what you do. You're saved by what Jesus did. You're saved by your belief in what Jesus did. But that you, the reason that you sin is because you think that you are so saved that no matter what you do, God's going to save you. There's a danger in thinking, if I go to church, if I say the right words, if I sing the songs, if I give a little bit of money, if I, you know, if I do the things, then I'm fine. God can't cast me into hell because, you know, I'm obviously saved because I look just like a Christian. God is super clear and Jesus is super clear that there are people in the end that are going to think that they were a Christian, think they lived as a Christian their their whole life. And they're going to see Jesus and Jesus is going to go, I don't even know who you are. You are, you are not one of mine. You've been a hypocrite your whole life pretending. You were one of the people that reasoned that God couldn't possibly cast you into hell because you thought you could save yourself through your own actions. Right? That, so in other words, the opposite of this is, you know, of all hypocrites. So let me know my salvation is sure because of my fear of hell, knowing that I need to continue to connect to, to, God, to God. Thank you for the, for the lurk. Appreciate it. Who loves evangelical preaching churches, Christians, but lives unholily. This is obviously, you know, this is for everybody. This is, this is me. Loves listening to sermons, loves going to church, loves singing the songs, loves hanging out with believers and acting like a Christian or whatever. But when they're not around, when I'm not listening to the sermon, when I'm not at church and when Christians aren't around, you know, it's sin time. And then I can just be whoever I want. I, the person that I am at two o'clock in the morning on a, on a Saturday or a Friday isn't the person that I am Sunday at 10. It's that hypocrisy of going, I sure love Jesus and I sure love the church and I sure love preaching and I sure love Christians and I sure love reading Christian books and I sure love the Bible until nobody's around. Right? That hypocrisy of living a separate life. The, the, my mind is a bucket without a bottom. No spiritual understanding, no desire for the Lord's day, ever learning, but never reaching the truth. Always at the gospel well, but never holding water. I think this is, this is an understanding, a self-proclaimed understanding of going, no matter how much I think I know about God, no matter how much I, I believe it's important for me to celebrate, you know, Sabbath and worship and connect with God and, and his people, no matter how much I, I <laughs> study and learn and read, no matter how much I, I, I come to God, it's, I never fill up. It's, it's an admission of going, why would I neglect prayer? Why would I neglect holiness? Why would I neglect being coming to God when my brain is, has a hole in it? My heart has a hole in it. Every, no matter how much God, God keeps dumping into me, it's never enough. My spiritual understanding is still darkened. My desire for, for what God wants is still too low. My, my knowledge of him and his word is never enough. And no matter how many times I hear the gospel and how much God loves me and I'm saved, I still worry that I'm going to go to hell. I still think that God doesn't love me. I still think God's not on my side. It just, my mind is a bucket without a bottom. No matter how much God pours in, it always seems to leak out. So why would I avoid prayer? Why am I avoiding God? Why am I sinning if my mind is a bucket without a bottom? It doesn't make sense. Right? Is it Romans 7? Is that it? 
Yes. Yeah, what shall we say then is the lost sin by no means? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Romans 7. Yep, that's it. My conscience is without conviction or contrition with nothing to repent of. That doesn't mean, because what it sounds like he's saying is that I check my, with my conscience and I'm good. <laughs> what it means is that uh, when he, his conscience is so, uh, it lacks such sensitivity that when he looks into his soul, looks into his heart, he doesn't see anything wrong. Now he knows, because if, if you look at, uh, I think it's James that talks about the Bible being, the word of God being a mirror, that you look into the mirror of the word of God and it, and it, uh, it convicting, like Hebrews talking about this, the, the word of God is like a, a double-edged sword. It divides soul and spirit. Like you read it and it, and it does soul surgery on you that when you open up the word, it, it looks like a mirror. And sometimes that's really good. Sometimes you open up and you see, you know, how much God loves you and how valuable you are and how, how kind God is and, and, and how, no matter how you look or what you've done, he's with you and he'll never forsake you. And no matter where you go, he'll always find you. He's always there. That's all good. But at the same time, there are times in your life where you look at it and all you see is guilt and, and shame and fear and, and all the, all the mess. And you just feel like God, it hates your guts because all you see in there is your sin. What he's saying here is that, that that's not a bad thing. The worst thing would be looking inside and thinking you're fine, right? Being like the, the Pharisee or being like the, the rich young ruler or the whatever who walks up to Jesus and is like, hey, so I keep the law perfectly and I don't, you know, is there anything else I got to do to get saved? <laughs> I'm, I'm great. We're all great. We did, we do perfectly. Walking up to Jesus and calling yourself perfect. It's crazy. Right? They said their conscience had no conviction, no contrition, standing before the Son of God. And when Jesus pointed it out, he's like, why don't you try not loving your money? No. <laughs> you know, in no conviction, no contrition. In what, in, in our lives, ask the question, right? If we sit and we pray and we're seeking to clean ourselves up and look inside for what's wrong, you ever get to the place where you realize, you think that there's nothing wrong? That actually could be a spiritual issue, a problem. Probably is. My will is without power of decision or resolution. In other words, no matter how hard I try, right? No matter how hard I try, it's just I can't keep it. You know, I, 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 I. No matter what decision I make, I don't keep to it. And no matter what resolution I have, I always fall. Right, the New Year's resolution thing, where it lasts until January third, right? Or the decision that you made a year ago, suddenly it's really hard. Or like from now on, I'm gonna eat better. Now I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna drink anymore. From now on, I'm gonna be nice. Um, thank you, my darling. There you go. I got a snack. That's lovely. I got kiwi. I like kiwi. Anybody else think of Star Trek: Next Generation whenever they think of kiwi? I do. Um. My, uh, my heart is without affection, full of leaks. You, you get that one, right? My heart without affection. In other words, um, affection for God, you know, a connection to God. It's without having the, the emotional connection to God and the will of God. It's full of leaks. My memory has no retention. So I forget easily the lessons I've learned. Thy truth seep away. These are, these, this is how you, you should be praying. If you remember a while back, we talked about how to pray, right? The Acts Prayer, Adoration, Confession, uh, Thanksgiving, Supplication. Or in other words, Adoration, start with worship, you know, uh, Confession, 
confess your sins, talk about your sins. Thanksgiving, you know, talk about the things that are going right in your life and that, that are that are good and that you you're thankful for and all the things that God has saved you from. And then supplication, asking for things that you need and that and for God's will to be done in your life. That's that's a good way to pray. Often the the confession part, it it's all it has all the problems that this has. You know, I look at my conscience, I see nothing. I, you know, I think I'm fine. My will is fine. My ideas are fine. I think about you all the time. I'm perfect in prayer. Yay! This this exercise, if you read this thing, you can go through and you can ask the question. You know, um, has there been any decisions I've made? right? That I've decided to undecide. Have there been any resolutions I gave, talked to God about that I'm no longer resolved in? Are there affections of people that I should be loving that I'm not? Are there, you know, is, am I, is my memory, have I, what have I forgotten that God, lesson that God taught me? How many of us keep doing the same stupid thing over and over and over, right? And then lastly, give me a broken heart that uh, that yet carries home the water of grace. In other words, as leaky as I am, Lord, as as many holes in my heart and bucket, grant me the kind of heart that you put together, the broken heart that you fit together, that somehow is able to carry your grace. That that is like that that cup that we love the, you know, our favorite mug that it's chipped, it's broken, it's got some issues, but you know, it's the thing that still, it still holds. Give us the kind of heart that even though it's, it's broke, it's broken in the right way. It's not broken as in like it's destroyed and, and the world sucks and, and nobody will ever love me. It's broken in the right way in that all the things that are hard in it, all the th- ways that we're separating, they're smashed. And all that's left is the softness that can carry the water of grace. That's, that's the hope, right? That's the hope. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you love gamers and streamers and online content creators, or you have a heart for the lonely, lost, and broken people who are untouchable by traditional ministries, but they spend so much time online looking for hope, help, and connection, and you want to help me keep bringing the love of God to them full time, it would be amazing if you'd support me on Patreon. Your support is what allows me to serve this unique people group on the forefront of global missions. If you want to check out my books and other content, look at my website at artofthechristianninja.com. And of course, I live stream on Twitch Monday to Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'd love to see you there. We do some serious stuff. We do some silly stuff and a little bit of everything in between. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. And I really do hope to see you on the live stream soon.